We are so excited that you have decided to join us for this week's message. As we begin a new series called Identity Crisis, understanding our identity in Christ is so important for the life of a believer. This week, Trey opens the series by teaching on the subject of calming the confusion. We pray that the message ministers to you in an impactful way. Who are you? Who are you? How do you respond to that question? Because that question isn't asking what's your name or what do you do or where are you from? So who exactly are you? If you would, take your copy of God's Word make your way to Acts chapter 9. It's a text that God has led me to where we will receive our instruction and our assignment from him tonight. The series is called Identity Crisis, a term first used by German psychologist Eric Erickson as he used it to describe a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure, usually occurring but not limited to the early teen years. In 1865, a man named Charles Doxson authored a famous book that he titled Alice in Wonderland. Anybody familiar with it? Or the movie. You might not have read the book, but you might have seen the movie. Alice in Wonderland. The story follows the adventures of a young girl named Alice as she battles with discovering her identity while in this strange place called Wonderland. Everywhere that she goes, she encounters different characters that keep asking her over and over again the same, which can prove to be a very difficult question to answer when you yourself don't exactly know who you are. It's funny because as a six-year-old kid watching Alice in Wonderland, I had no idea I had like all this profound, deep meaning behind it. But I started digging into that, that scene where she's talking to the caterpillar. And I know y'all may not be familiar with it, but there's one scene in the movie where she bumps into a caterpillar, and he's got his back turned to her, and as she bumps into him, he turns around, and the first thing that he asks her, he says, Who are you? Who are you? And Alice replied, I hardly know, sir, just at present. At least I knew who I was when I got up this morning, but I think I must have been changed several times since then. Have you ever felt like that before? Like by the end of the day, you were somebody completely different than you were at the beginning of the day? And so all throughout the story, all throughout the book, Alice is struggling to find her identity and who she is. She was facing an identity crisis. I'm going to go back and watch the movie all over again. I'm going to turn 30 on Saturday. Crazy, right? Like, never had a birthday bother me except for this one. This one's bothering me pretty bad. I'm going to go back and watch Alice in Wonderland as a 30-year-old man because I had no idea there was such deep meaning in this story. Alice was facing an identity crisis. And as I look around at our society, I see our society facing the same thing, an identity crisis. We have people who are now questioning whether or not they're male, whether or not they're female, whether they're either or. We got people walking around nowadays that don't even know which bathroom to go into. And I'm not making light of the situation or state that our society is in, but that's just the reality of things. We have an identity crisis. But let me tell you, that doesn't disturb me near as much as the conversations that I have with people inside the church who I believe are having an identity crisis of their own internally because you don't know who you are spiritually. 
Because listen to me, who you are, who you are, believe it or not, let's take the mask off these next few weeks, who you are is far more than what you portray to the people around you. And if we looked on the inside, for some of us, for a lot of us actually, I think we would see that on the inside, you're uncertain. On the inside, you're insecure. On the inside, you're confused about who you are spiritually. Right? I know I'm supposed to have victory, but I feel defeated. I know I'm supposed to live holy, but I keep on sinning. I know I'm supposed to be in God's family, but I feel all alone. I know I'm supposed to be free, but I feel like I live in prison every single day. And so on the outside, everything looks good because of the image that we portray to the society around us. But on the inside, everything's insecure. Everything's uncertain. Everything's confused. I don't know exactly who I am spiritually. So who are you? And the more that you struggle to find an answer, the more frustrated and the more confused that you become. Alice, as she's wandering through Wonderland, gets more and more frustrated every time she finds somebody new and who asks her the same question, who are you? And because she can't give an adequate answer, people keep asking the same question. And the more you wrestle with that internally inside of you of who you are and not knowing how to answer it, you become more frustrated and you become more confused in the process. Am I a product of my past? Am I the result of bad choices? Am I genuine or am I fake? I don't know. And so as we get started on this journey over the next four or five weeks, there's some things that first need to get realigned in our lives. And so I want to speak to you tonight from the subject of calming the confusion. If you're going to begin to dive in and understand exactly who you are spiritually in Christ, then I think some of us need to calm the inner confusion that's going on in the inside. And I want to use that subject through the text of Acts chapter 9, where we see a story of a man named Saul, who is also known as Paul throughout the rest of the New Testament, as he comes to know Christ in this moment. So starting in verse 1, we'll read the whole story there, so just stay with me. It's kind of extensive, but... We need to see all the details of it. In verse 1, God's word says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, funny he says this, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul arose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. 
For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. And for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. If you're going to calm the inner confusion that you have going on inside of you, when it comes to figuring out who I am spiritually, when it comes to really understanding my identity of who I am in Christ, then one thing that's key, one thing that is important for you to understand is that who I was isn't who I am. Who I was isn't who I am. God's word is crystal clear on this. When you, by faith, give your life to Jesus, you become a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 puts it just like that. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Who you were is no longer who you are when you're in Christ. The old has been done away with. You are a new creation. And this is such a foundational truth in the life of a believer at any stage of your walk with Christ. Understanding that the person that I was has been done away with, and now I'm somebody new in Christ, that all that stuff has been dealt with. I don't have to live in that anymore. I don't have to be bound by that anymore. I don't have to be defined by that anymore. It's so foundational to how you live a victorious life in Christ. It's so foundational understanding my true identity in Him. Look, before Saul gave his life to Jesus, we know some things about him. We know some things just from the passage that we just read. Before he met Christ, he was persecuting the church. Persecuting the church. Approving the murder of Christians. Before he met Christ, he was denouncing the name of Christ. Walking as his enemy. Doing all that he could to exterminate any and all talk of Jesus that he could. That's who he was before he met Christ. That's why Ananias, when God appeared to him and told him, Hey, dude, I want you to go visit this guy named Saul. That's why Ananias kind of recoiled at first and said, nah, What? Saul? Are you serious, Jesus? I've heard about this guy. Man, he's got a reputation. How many of you in this room do not have a reputation, I wonder? This guy's got a reputation. He persecutes Christians. He gives approval of their murder. He's been sent here from the high priest with orders to find any men or women that belong to the way of Jesus Christ and take them back and imprison them. I'm not going to see this guy. Are you serious? But look at how Jesus identified Saul to Ananias. Did you catch it? When Jesus spoke to Ananias, he didn't say, Ananias, I want you to go see Saul. Now, I know. I know he's a persecutor. I know he's an enemy. I know he's a murderer. I know the guy is definitely full of pride. I know he's dangerous. I know he's foolish. That's not how Jesus identified Saul. If you look at how Jesus identified him, he said, Ananias, nevertheless, go, for he is a chosen instrument to carry my name that's a new identity that's a new creation this guy was a persecutor of the church he was a murderer of christian he denounced the name of jesus he did all that he could to exterminate his name from coming out of the lips of anybody meets jesus 
And as Jesus is describing him to Ananias, Jesus says of him, he is my chosen instrument. That's how Jesus described him. Not how anybody else described him. Not how Saul's friends described him. Not how Saul's family members described him. That's how Jesus describes him. He is my chosen instrument to carry my name. How many of you are thankful that Jesus doesn't define you or plan your purpose based off your past? Who you were is no longer who you are when you're in Christ. Saul would later become known as Paul throughout the rest of the New Testament. At the end of his life, he wrote these words in 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12. He's writing a letter to his protege, Timothy, and listen to what he says. Man, this guy got it. He realized that his identity completely changed. And listen to how he describes it. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. And then listen to how he goes into his past here. He says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Jesus does not hold your past against you. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. This guy understood his identity change. Did you notice how much... How much press time Paul gave to who he formerly was versus how much press time and description he gave to who he now was? Uh, I mean, I know at one time I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an opponent. But, but, I received mercy and the grace of God overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus it's a trustworthy statement. He came into the world to save sinners who I'm the foremost, but the reason why he did that is so that it could be a greater example of his mercy and grace for everybody else who believe in him. So we got, I was, eh, but I am redeemed, forgiven, set free, appointed, chosen, adopted, purpose-filled. Man, don't ever, don't ever Give your past more credit and more praise than what Christ has brought into your present. So if you're going to calm the confusion, man, you've got to get past this who I was and you've got to start getting into this who I am. But then there's something else, too, and I think this is a big one. I put this one as the second point. There's three, right, because that's just the Baptist way. You've got to have three points in your message. Uh, I put this one as a second one because I kind of think of it like a sandwich. You got bread, bread, and then you got the meat right in the middle. This is the meat, all right? So if you don't get anything else, get point number two tonight. If you're going to calm the com confusion, you've got to start listening to the right voice. You've got to start listening to the right voice. Have you ever had multiple people trying to talk to you at the same time? God, so frustrating and confusing at the same time because one person is trying to tell you one thing, 
Another person's trying to tell you another, and for whatever reason, you don't tell one person to stop because that would be rude, I guess, so you can continue the conversation with somebody else. So you're trying to entertain both conversations at the same time, and inevitably what happens is you get pieces of this conversation and pieces of this conversation, and then as you begin to recall the conversation, you begin to combine details of two different stories. A lot of our confusion when it comes to our identity is caused by us listening to the wrong voices. And I'll tell you why that's super dangerous. That's super dangerous in the life of a believer because if you don't listen to the right voice, then you become susceptible to believe anything that anybody speaks over you. It becomes an opportunity for somebody to speak anything over your life and you'll just believe it. You'll just take it for what it's worth. And here's what I've learned. If you don't know how to identify yourself, then the voice of the world or the voice of the enemy will give you an identity. And more than likely, that's what you will then begin to believe about yourself. So if I walk around and I don't know who I am in Christ, if I'm not rooted in who I am in Christ, then whatever voice decides to speak into my life to give me an identity, most of the time that's just what I will take and run with. And some of us, I'll give you an example. Some of us are sitting here tonight and you're wearing an identity somebody assigned to you in elementary school. Some of us are sitting here tonight and you're wearing an identity that your parents gave you. Some of us are sitting here tonight and you're wearing an identity that quite honestly came straight out of the pits of hell. But because you don't know which voice to listen to, when a voice finally showed up, you just went with it. And so ever since third grade, you've believed what that person said about you. As if any third grader has any bit of wisdom to speak in anybody's life. But you've carried around. And now you're in college and you're still struggling. And you still have strongholds. And you still have pain because of what Susie Q said to you that day in class. We're not going to be friends anymore if you're going to be like that. You can't come over to my house. Throughout Saul's life, I think he had been listening to the wrong voices. And oftentimes you don't even realize it. A lot of times we follow the wrong voice because we think it's the right voice. And I think Saul, for the better part of his life, had listened to the wrong voices. You know, before he came to know Christ, he actually thought he was doing a service unto God. That's how good Satan is at deception. He's so good at deception that he can trick you into thinking that as an enemy of God, you're fighting for God. But throughout his life, I think he'd listened to the wrong voices. And when he finally heard and listened to the right one, it completely changed the trajectory of his life. Completely. And so you've got to learn to listen to the right voice, which is the voice of God. Well, how do I recognize that voice? If we had to take a survey of people who felt confident in their ability to recognize the voice of God, most of us would have a really low confidence level, I think. How do I recognize the voice of God? Well, let's give you three identifiers, three simple identifiers. One is the voice of God speaks conviction, not condemnation. See, a lot of you have your identity based off a voice of condemnation. But Jesus doesn't speak condemnation. He speaks conviction, and there's a difference in the two. He will convict you of your sin, but he will not condemn you for that sin. And some of you have a whole identity based off of condemnation from the wrong voice. 
Second thing, the voice of God speaks in a way that causes peace, not confusion. Paul even testified to this in 1 Corinthians when he was talking to the church in Corinth. He said, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So he speaks in a way that brings peace into your life, not confusion. Some of you have confusion over your identity because you've been listening to a voice of confusion. God speaks peace. One last thing. And of course, we can't cover it all, but I'm trying to just help you get started. The voice of God speaks with purpose, not pointlessness. All throughout Scripture, when God opens his mouth, there's a reason and a purpose and a message to get across. He never opens his mouth just to hear himself talk. But the enemy does. And so some of you have built your entire identity off a voice that speaks nothing but pointless garbage into your life. I'll leave you with this on listening to the right voice. And you can take this one to the bank and cash it in after the service is over. Only the creator has the right to name his creation. Listen to that voice. One last thing. Calm in the confusion. You got to get past who you were and start understanding who you are. You got to start listening to the right voices. Well, one more thing. You've got to fix your perspective. You've got to fix your perspective. Now, please hear me in this. This stuff only applies if you are truly born again in Christ. If you don't have a relationship with him, you don't have an identity in him. And I don't say that judgingly. I say that hope, hopefully because it, it speaks into your life and you realize, you know what? My identity is based off all this other stuff. I don't have an identity in Jesus. I don't know who he is. Well, guess what? We would love to explain that to you tonight before you leave this place. Come see me. But for those of you that are in Christ, you've got to fix your perspective if you're going to calm down this confusion in your life. They say perspective is everything. You heard it before? I think that's true in a lot of ways. I think that's true in a lot of ways. After Ananias prayed with Saul, scales fell off his eyes. And he began proclaiming Jesus. His perspective had been completely changed after he met Christ. He knew he wasn't the same person anymore. It's funny because he went from persecuting Jesus to proclaiming Jesus. And perspective is important when it comes to our identity. And I'll tell you why. Because what I see on the inside becomes what I live on the outside. If you go back in the text... The very last couple of verses that we read, actually verse 20, it says that immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. His mission just prior to this, just days before that, was denying the very thing that's coming out of his mouth right now. And when you are in Christ, it should change your perspective on a lot of things. But when you get confused about who you are, your perspective gets jumbled up. And what I see on the inside becomes what I live on the outside. So let me give you an example of how this works. If I see myself as inadequate, if I see myself as pathetic, if I see myself as useless, if I see myself as broken, then my life will begin to reflect that. When I get up in the morning and the first thing that enters into my mind is how pathetic I am, I will live out my day as a pathetic individual. 
If I wake up in the morning and all I can think about is how broken my past is, then I will live out my present in a state of brokenness even though I've been redeemed and healed and fixed. If what I see on the inside is uselessness, then I will live out my life feeling like I can never do anything beneficial for the kingdom of God. Perspective means a lot when it comes to understanding your identity. That's why like Saul, we need the scales plucked off our eyes so that our perspective can be fixed not to see that garbage that was on the inside, but to see who's on the inside, to see Christ on the inside. So when I fix my perspective to see Christ on the inside of me, now I see myself as holy. Now I see myself as empowered. Now I see myself as restored. Now I see myself as purposeful. Now I see myself as being desired. Why? Because that's what Christ says of me. And when my perspective is focused through the lens of my Savior, all this other stuff gets pushed out when He moves in. And so now I live my life knowing that I'm chosen. Now I live my life knowing that I have purpose. Now I live my life knowing that I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to be a force against the darkness around me. Perspective is a lot. My life begins to reflect those things. Ephesians chapter 2. Same guy in Acts chapter 9, later in life writing this. You think his perspective changed? He says, speaking to other saints, he says, and you were dead. Were dead. In the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that does not work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love of which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Live your life with that perspective. Yeah, I was dead, was, but now I've been made alive in Christ. I am seated with him. I've been raised with him. He has placed me into good works that he prepared beforehand. Colossians chapter 1. Same guy. Same guy still writing. He says once again, And you, who once were, alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You talk about a different perspective. Walk around tomorrow knowing that you, through Christ, are now holy, blameless, and above reproach. Man, if we get a room full of believers 
understanding their identity in Christ, that's how the world around us gets changed. It's not normal for people to walk around with the perspective of, I'm holy, blameless, and above reproach. Kiss on that, Satan. It all sounds good, right? Man, I, I hear what you're saying, Trey. Well, live it. We can hear it all day long. I can talk about it and I blew him in the face. But until you live it in your life, until I live it in my life, it won't matter. Live it. Fix your perspective. Understanding who you are, your identity in Christ is so important. It affects all aspects of your life. This is just the tip of the iceberg for everything else we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. Identity affects all aspects of your life with who you are in Christ. But I think we need to start with calming down the confusion that some of us are facing. And fully understand and believe, I'm not who I was, I'm a new creation. That old has passed, and the new has set up shop. And then start listening to the right voice. I mean, you know what Satan loves to do? He loves to confuse. But you've got to start learning how to listen to the right voice. Jesus said of his believers in John chapter 10, my sheep know my voice. Listen to it. Listen to his voice. Listen to how he identifies you. Not how everybody else around you identifies you. Jesus said to Ananias, Saul is my chosen instrument. And Jesus says the same thing about you. Those of you that are in Christ are now his chosen instruments to carry his name. You have the same description. And fix your perspective. See if it won't change the way in which you carry yourself around throughout the course of this next week. Thanks again so much for stopping by to listen to the message. Our prayer is that, if you don't already, you would come to know the love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus in a personal way. Following Him is the greatest choice you could ever make. Each week we want to challenge you through the Word of God to continue walking in Christ and leveraging your life for His glory. So we hope that you will join us again next week for another impactful message here at Life.